First name, Mr. Last name, Glass. Is it possible that there are no coincidences? I see dead people. Welcome back to chronologically M. Night Shyamalan I don't like that M. Night Shyamalan chronologically this podcast we're going through every one of Stephen nope Jesus <laughs> not him either Alfred Hitchcock M. Shyamal- <laughs> Al- <laughs> damn it. it's so easy to slip into M. Night Shyamalan's filmography we're going through them all damn I haven't done this for my name's Jeff. Hi Jeff. Let me have some tea. Let me have some tea. That's Eric. <laughs> this is this is the, tea. the smoothest this intro we've ever had. We're uh we're really off to the races here. In- uh, this movie really affected me. Um so we are on M. Night Shyamalan's second film, and it's called Wide Awake. Had you heard of this one? I had not heard of this one. I did not know that this existed. Had you had you found me in a bar and bet me whether or not this film existed and it was an M. Night Shyamalan movie, I would have said, I would have taken that bet. I would have lost. I, <laughs> I, dang, I, I had no clue that this was even a thing. Um, so since, since, uh, since then, I've obviously did the research, learned about it. Um, it was filmed. It was a Miramax film uh, made under Harvey Weinstein. Um, he got the gig off the apparent strength of praying with anger. I don't know. Um, but I don't know because like it, I feel like him like Shyamalan sort of hit the lottery as far as like how quickly he was able to jump into directing films. Like it, if you look at like Spielberg's filmography, there's a lot of TV in there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, really. And, and then like, Okay, so this is a Miramax film. He made this. Weinstein hated it, and he buried it for three years before putting it out in the theater in a very minimal way. It only made like $300,000, right? And then he goes from this to Sixth Sense, right? Which is an enormous leap. Like we talked about with Spielberg, like the leap to Jaws. Like, holy shit, you know, like same, same thing, you know, like just an enormous leap. But if I'm not mistaken, Sixth Sense is also a Miramax film. And we'll have to, I'll have to confirm that because I, I didn't, but like coming off of this, which was by all, you know, accounts, a pretty bad experience for him and for yeah. Miramax, you know, like they, they, it didn't go well. And Weinstein is notoriously an asshole and was very awful about this movie. Uh, and then just like flip around and work for them again and make, you know, a modern masterpiece. Um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. It's it's really an interesting trajectory uh, how somebody goes from this to that, right? Yeah, it, it's he gets on the rocket ship pretty quick. Well, even to get to this, to have a movie made for a major studio from what looks like you filmed on a VHS cassette. Yeah. And that movie wasn't like, if I saw that as a student film, I'll be like, hey, damn, this guy's talented. But if I saw that in the theater, I'm like, shit. I need my money. <laughs> I need my money back. But um, yeah, I mean, this is no joke—a real movie. It, like this right. is said a six million dollar budget, which is not a huge budget, but it's a budget, right? Like he had some money to work with here. He had some fairly big it's names in the millions. Yeah, in the millions. He had he had Rosie O'Donnell. He had Dennis Leary. He had Robert. I never can pronounce his last name. Logia, Logia, Logia. Sure. Uh, you know, so recognizable people in this film. Dana Delaney. Um. So, yeah, a big jump, like, just to, like, have this be your first studio film out of the gate uh, without having that proving ground of TV movies and so on, you know, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. Well, as you said, you you mentioned who it stars. Um, Overall thoughts on Wide Awake? Hmm. Well, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, but if I have to like give a syn- let, let's let's if I have go to give with a, a synopsis, a, like do I like it or do I not like it? It's just kind of like, what do you think? Were you surprised? Were you uh, disappointed? 
I was What's your feeling? I was frequently bored. Okay. I I found some value in it. I found it mostly interesting as a harbinger of things to come. Right? Okay. Like like it it really like you can look at this and you can see the future for M Night, you know, like like not necessarily in the subject matter of a young boy in in school and the family drama and you know all that stuff, but on the level of like structure and spirituality and and god damn it if he doesn't throw a twist into this thing, you know, like right, we were gonna get we got our first Shyamalan <laughs> twist, right, and it's it's a it's on the bad side of twists um in my opinion yeah so let's let's just go ahead let's give a little synopsis of the movie because i'm I'm quite sure that most people are not going to watch this thing oh right? everybody's seen this thing right <laughs> yeah so um generally speaking it's not the worst synopsis like the imdb says a 10 year old boy goes on a search for god after his grandfather dies yeah. Th- yes. Yes. That's that's more or less it. So this kid's in fifth grade. He attends an all boys school, um, and his beloved grandfather passes away of bone marrow cancer. And the kid gets deeply concerned about the state of his grandfather. Like, where where is is he happy? Is he taken care of? And he decides that he's going to go find God and talk to God and ask to God, ask God what's going on with his grandfather. And so the rest of the movie kind of plays out across this one year in school. Um, and, and it's all about his kind of search, his spiritual search for God, but that makes it sound way more serious than it really is. It's a kind of lighthearted. I think the movie takes God. itself. I think the movie takes itself quite seriously in its search for God. At, at certain points, but I don't want to give people the impression that this is like, what's that Scorsese movie with the priests like whipping themselves? <laughs> like this is not that. Like this is this is like a school. A, a yeah, school okay. time comedy drama thing without comedy. A, without a lot of laughs. Like it doesn't have a lot of laughs, but it is it is like uh, not uh, deadly serious, right? Like there's right. there's okay. like there's school friend weirdos, and there's like you know his first crush, and you know like Rosie O'Donnell is there as the vaguely entertaining nun and right i her character is about as deep as a puddle i feel like she's very <laughs> wasted how where are you on rosie o'donnell like as a screen presence like do you have i'm trying to think of anything where i've really got like a, a oh yeah that like i can't think of a oh she was good in that i can think of like league of their own league or of their own she's in yeah but largely i can't I, the episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm she was on is maybe my favorite thing she's done. I, I mean, that's uh, I don't have a lot of interaction with her content. Yeah, I don't like, have anything I, against I, her. I don't either. Like I like I never watched her show, you know, or anything like that. But in general, I feel like when she pops up in things, particularly in this this era, I'm like, oh, it's Rosie. Like I like I like her. Like I think she's fun and funny, and I like her in a league of their own. And so like I was I was pleased that she was going to be in this movie and then i was disappointed that she was barely in this movie so her whole thing is she's a nun that likes sports that's it she likes sports and she's got various hats on and (laughs) pins for her favorite sports team if you go and look at the cover art for the film which tells you that the character it implies that she's gonna be in the movie which she is maybe in like six minutes of this movie right maybe this you said the word comedy and i can't disagree more even though imdb says comedy i think it's also wrong this shit is not funny like no no i mean not all comedies are funny no i agree like but they at least try this one i don't even think went for a lot of like humor the the only thing that i got a small chuckle out of was the whole i think i'm having a biological event or whatever he said right when he sees his crush for the first time i thought that was funny but largely i don't even feel like there were a lot of jokes like even 
jokes that didn't land. No, it goes for cute more than funny. Like when I think of it in terms of comedy, like I think what it's trying for is about on the level of like a Christmas story, you know, like that's the sort of comedy I think it's trying for and it Uh, doesn't achieve it. Right. Like, but you know, like that low level family drama, kind of like and you chuckle at it occasionally there are like maybe one or two good laughs in it you know but uh it doesn't get it like it doesn't make it right. doesn't work right but i think that's about the level that he's shooting for here um not like a i don't know old school <laughs> comedy or of course. you know like it's, it's definitely like of my, my my point is i don't disagree that maybe they're shooting for comedy but where are the jokes where are the gags? Where are the ones that don't even land? Well, there, like, there are I, parts that I found cute, right? Like I found sure I found the part with the, the little girl that he likes cute. I found I like the Lord of all weirdos. There's, there's this kid in the school. Who, like I feel like it's both the strength and the weakness of the movie. The strength is that yeah. this kid is like so weird. They nickname him the Lord of all weirdos. And then like. The failure of the movie is that it never explains what the fuck is going on with this kid. Like this right. kid is just, just like there's something going on. Like, he's just they mental. Tease, like, <laughs> like they have a bully and they tease sort of like maybe he's got some turbulent home life and that's why he does what he does. Yeah, they don't say shit about this kid. Like he's no, just crazy. He, he's just in the and hallway then, acting like a monkey and scaring the new people. You like he's just like out of control. Out of control insane this kid and then they never explain what's going on with him but i did think the fact that they named him the lord of all weirdos was kind of funny (laughs) yeah that that made me laugh um so yeah i mean there are a few moments in it that have some levity to them that that said i agree that it fails as a comedy yeah uh so um how uh, how this really reminded me of praying with anger in its themes and like its religious look at things, you know, coming at it from a different angle. One of the things I always like about Shyamalan is that he does look at religion and faith in a lot of his films. And I felt like this was more of the Americanized version of praying with anger a bit. Of course, maybe pitch towards children or whatever, but it's the, the guy on a quest for knowledge and he's having a, a faith crisis, uh, a crisis quest. of faith. Yeah. It's yeah. Something. I mean, if he has faith I at could, all, I mean, like he definitely is out. He's, he's seeking. I, we're definitely seeing the beginning of the emergence of a trend here in these films, right? Yeah. Like, like thematically, like definitely like, this is a guy who is concerned with faith and religion and the way that people struggle with it. Like the whole point of this movie is that through, through the struggles that this kid has throughout the course of the film, he experiences a spiritual or mental awakening. That's what the wide awake means. You know, like he kind of like realizes there's more to life than what he had been experiencing before and uh well and he faces death at a young age you know like uh his best friend is his grandfather um and uh, who who's played well by robert Le- <laughs> um who is great in everything he's mostly you know i think of him from big he was the guy who runs the company at big yeah on the al- movie big. always great another person yeah, is always a really likable lovable guy he, even when he's evil he's still great yeah 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 he just yeah and he's very i think his scenes are some of the strongest scenes in the movie um with the kid like there's a couple scenes where uh you know he's like you know he finds out he has the cancer and he's going to die and then he tells his grandson don't cry i don't think i can handle it right it was a very grand in that moment for him to say but then later on he's grandson's like is it okay if i cry now and he says okay and i, I that affected me a little bit. that got me well yeah, i was like oh i will say for felt as much as we're dogging this good. movie it did get me in the feels a few times like it did it, it, yeah. like i can't deny the fact that on some level it kind of worked for me uh yeah i i enjoyed the scene 
where the kid first realizes that his grandfather is sick. Like they're in church and the priest calls up for communion. First, he wants anybody that's suffering from any physical ailments, you know, and so on. And the kid's just sitting there kind of looking around and then he realizes that his grandfather is gone and he's up in line, you know, and, and then he confronts him and asks him about it. And the grandfather tells him that he has cancer. And uh, I, I just thought like the look, the look on his face when he realizes that his grandpa isn't there and like, oh, oh shit, something's going down that I'm not hip to, you know? pretty good like in in general i found this kid to be pretty good the other kids he's, maybe not as much but i found right. this kid to be pretty good he he's not quite spielberg levels no. uh, of good um but he is passable and I, I think the other scene that i really liked was the one where there's the i don't know the actor's name but he's like a priest in there and it's the guy they do confessions to wonder years guy he's the dad from wonder years right and uh yes thank you yeah god he was so familiar and i couldn't um so he goes and he talks to him and the the priest has a very candid talk with him and he's like you know sometimes i get scared i don't know everything and i like that moment because so many times religious leaders feel like they can't be vulnerable and here he is being vulnerable with the kid i like that moment i thought that was a strong scene in the film yeah i agree i i like i like seeing priests portrayed as humans <laughs> yes and as, i think this movie does a good job you know what does a good job with that strangely enough the exorcist the exorcist is a great priests as humans movie yeah um and and there are there are I'll, yeah a, a lot of those kind of more spiritual demony movies do a good job portraying the priests as, as just people i'm thinking of that evil show that i watched that's pretty good priests people movie too but uh the other the other bit with the cardinal i thought was pretty good too like the he finds the kid finds out that the cardinal is oh, right yeah is speaking at his sister's school uh the sister being julia styles and uh he goes and he sneaks out of school and he goes over because he wants to talk to the cardinal because he's heard that the cardinal speaks with God. And he gets there and the little girls are all swarming around the cardinal and he realizes, oh, the cardinal's going into the restroom. The girls can't follow him in there. I'm going to go in there and have my chance to talk to him. And he goes in there and the cardinal is all sweaty and he's shaking and he's struggling to open this bottle of pills and he's all messed up. He's got some health situation and right. then the younger priest has to come in and like help him. And then the younger priest says, you know, he gets overwhelmed after a speech sometimes. Da, da, da. But it's clear that the guy is like super messed up. And uh, and then the kid's just kind of like, I don't think God talks to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I did like that. Um, yeah. I, th- th- it's, this is not a total failure, right? This is not an F. No, it's not um, an F. I would give it like a C, C minus. Yeah, it's you know? totally passable, forgettable. Um, but there's there are things in it that are redeemable. Um, and I think th- those are the scenes. So the end result for this kid is <laughs> he did this in this damn movie. He gives a speech at the end of the year and he's like, I'm wide awake now. And I'm like, great. Yeah. A titular line. Yay. Like, does that ever work? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> Well, he goes through a number of different revelations, right? Yeah. And and he he discovers that everybody has their backstory. Like the bully has a backstory. The the heavy kid that irritates him, you know, he he decides to All give the kids to do is a hang out, right? Yeah, yeah I know. It's yeah, we're like gonna we're gonna have to talk. Bang. We're gonna have to talk okay. about this kid because uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting the way it was handled. our main character was being a douchebag our, to be our main character was being a dick yeah for sure um but like he kind of like discovers that there's more going on beneath the surface than than he had at first assumed when he was younger and he said you know and and now i'm i'm wide awake and then then he goes out uh they're getting the picture taken right and yeah, the teacher says there's somebody missing. He was like, "Oh, I know who's missing." He goes out to find the kid. So there's this, oh god, this this kid. There's this kid. Kiss my ass, this damn boot. 
there's, go ahead. I apologize. <laughs> there's this kid who's in a lot of the scenes of the movie. He points out the kid early on during football practice. He says, that kid over there, that new kid, he's smaller than I am. He's not going to stand a chance, right? And it's this little blonde-headed kid, and he's just kind of lurking around the edges of the movie. He's in maybe like five or six scenes throughout the movie. He doesn't talk. He just kind of like stands there and observes, you know? And- he does help at one point. Remember when uh, our main character is like escaping to go see the priest? Right. And the, the little blonde boy is there and he reminds him to turn off the alarm you know, before you go out the emergency exit or right, whatever. Right, but he doesn't say like, anything. Oh, yeah, he, just, yeah. he just points at her, right? He points, and the guy's like, yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So he goes out into the hallway to get this kid, and it turns out that this kid is not a real kid. This kid is an angel or the sign. he's the sign from God that he's been looking for. And, and the kid, like, basically says, your grandfather's good. He's being taken care of. Everything's okay. We appreciate your interest. All right. So here's my problem with this is because the whole, and and this is something we'll get into. And I I think we start here is, is the, the twist, right? Does the twist help or hurt the film? Those are the two binary things. And I think this twist hurts the film big time because the whole, so basically we are told, by the film that there's an angel or this is a god or whatever and it's real and he's not having to go out on faith anymore essentially as to say you know grandpa's okay he's in heaven i believe these things basically he gets it all laid out and confirmed for him and it kind of takes away from the rest of the film where the whole time he's asking for signs. I need signs. Is there anything going on? And along his journey, he grows and learns um, to have faith without seeing. And it shapes what he believes. And he, he wakes up to the fact why well, don't like that other people are people. And it's a human experience. And then at the end of the movie, it's just like, I was leading you the whole way. I was here the whole time. Your sign was here the whole time. God is 100% real. And like, and I'm a person of faith. I believe in God. So I, I, it doesn't offend me that they made this choice, but it takes away from the human quest he went on. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I really, really hated that. I really hated it. And as soon as he went out to the hallway, I said, shit. I knew what was coming. Did you did you know it was coming the whole time? Did you know something no. was going on with that kid the whole time? I I knew something was going on with the kid the whole time. I didn't know what it was going to be. I thought okay. maybe it was like, oh, that kid's going to get hit by a car, or oh, that <laughs> like I thought something was going to happen because they just kept showing him, you know, and uh, and so like I I he it got my hackles up pretty early. Did I expect him to be an angel of the Lord? No, I did not. But you're right, because the movie resolves itself with the speech. As clunky as it is, it resolves itself with the speech. Yeah. And then it comes in flying from the side with a sledgehammer to the dome that this kid is an angel. And and I like on some level I appreciated it because I was like, Oh, it's the twist. They did the twist. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was like, like, here we go, our first twist. Yeah, but so- but at, like in terms of the narrative of this particular film. I kind of I agree that it kind of just undermined the whole point of the right. movie, which is that you know a, a you, quest for faith and when and, and and in real the whole, life the whole point of faith is that it's faith, like right, you exactly. Have faith like and there's he, nothing, there's no proof coming at you, you know, like right. it's faith. You're you know, and and so and he has that quest for it, and then it's like, well, if he's just gonna get this confirmation. Just start with that, and he's good. But how, I guess he just how would his- that impact the rest of your life if, when you were ten years old, an angel of the Lord showed up and was like, "Oh, by the way, God's watching you, and we appreciate that you're looking out for your grandfather, and he's cool, and it's all real." Like, how would that impact the rest <laughs> of your life? Like. 
That's a great question. Oh my God. When you're 14 and it's time to jerk off for the first time or no, whatever yeah, age you like, hit your oh. puberty, you know, like, like yeah. Like, you make oh, it God. sound like it's on the schedule. Well, you know what I'm saying. You're like, <laughs> oh, 13. It's time. It's time. <laughs> I'm going to give it a go. <laughs> but like, like, oh no. That little blonde kid is watching me. <laughs> oh God, he's yeah. watching me. Oh, oh, I can't steal a cookie. He's watching me. You know, like every every misstep well, that humans make in their life, like this poor kid, because he's got dead certain confirmation that God is there. You know, and like holy shit, I think you at would some just point he fucked. would start questioning himself. As he grows into adult, did that really happen? Did it really happen? You know, Was that he real? He would kind of trickle back down to. Uh, some semblance of normalcy, I think. Like, he would just question it, and you'd get to the point where he's like, okay, I mean, yeah, did that really, I don't know, you know. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. Um, Dennis Leary's in this movie, I think. Kind of, for a minute. <laughs> yeah, he's like, hey, uh, I'm I'm your dad. And then that's about it. Yeah, the, all of the adults are very inconsequential. They all get, like, one scene and then they're in the background, right? Like Rosie O'Donnell has the scene where she talks to the kid one on one, and then she's in the background. And then same thing with Dennis Leary. He gets a scene where they kind of chat briefly in the car, and he doesn't even really get the chat. He gets the kid saying, "It seems like my dad wants to talk to me, but he's afraid." And then, like he doesn't, the dad doesn't actually say too much to him. And and like the parents exist in the movie to be concerned about the kid and his spiritual journey in the background I, of the movie. And that's kind of it. You know? I will say I really appreciate the fact that you can tell his parents are scared of his, his spiritual journey. They can tell something's wrong. And the kid is just like, I'm going down this way. This is what I need right now. And I'm going to do it. I kind of appreciated that sort of autonomy out of the, the character and the fact that, you know, his quest he was never scared of what he would find, but he was looking for those answers anyway. So it wasn't like, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say here, but I I appreciated the fact that he was just going to go on this quest. He's going to look and see what he can find um, and not have a preconceived notion of the outcome and not be concerned about what his parents think. Right. Because obviously they're I would I would guess they're a Catholic family. Um as he goes to Catholic church and there was probably some level of um, making sure he's not becoming an atheist or whatever, some concern along that line. Right. Um, but they all do tolerate his experimentation with Judaism right. and, and Muslim practices. And so like everything he tries meditating, they are pretty and tolerant, even though it, it worries them. Yes. Which I thought was, was, was good and human. Well, it's interesting that from a family that practices religion, when somebody goes hard into spirituality, that's a source of worry, right? Yeah. Like, like it's kind of like, well, you introduced this concept to this kid, right? And you've been telling him all this time that it's real and he's got to confess his sins and so on and so forth. And so when he decides that he's just going to go for it, then it's like, oh, too too much, too you're going too hard, you know. Yeah, and, and uh, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. It, it it speaks to kind of the way that religion is practiced in in the United States, as opposed to other places where it's much more of like a lifestyle. You know, like it, it's so casual. You know, yeah, we, the way we this have family a, practices a, it. a very privileged. A uh, way to practice. Well, religion. yeah, I, I wrote down one my second note here after Rosie O'Donnell is wasted. Uh, this kid has first world problems. Yes, absolutely. Right. Like he. But he, they're relatable. His grandpa died. You yeah, know, and it is relatable. And you don't feel yeah. you don't feel like the kid is like a snot or anything. It's not like my game boy is out of batteries. Right. Not that kind of first world right. problem. But he lives in a pretty affluent family. Right. The yes. parents are both like doctors or lawyers he, or something, you know. And since it's a Catholic school, we can assume it's private. Yeah. Private school. Pay it's for a, a private school that that other kid can't afford to go to anymore. Right. And uh, so he's got. You know, a, a, a comfort level that he's coming into his quest from. It's not yes. like he's a street urchin who's like, God, lift me up from the alley of the dogs where I 
eat poop. Right. You know, like he's 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 kind of like Damn. <laughs> you know how people eat poop in the alley of the dogs. Uh, <laughs> is that from a poem? <laughs> no, not. It should be. I'm writing it. Uh, but anyhow, so like he's he's definitely in a a place where he has the time and the the care is given to him so that he can take this spiritual quest without uh the distractions of trying to survive right like like he's he's privileged in a way that he can explore his spirituality yeah. at his leisure as opposed to as a means of you know like getting by he's not like crying out to god as the earthquake is destroying his home right like he's right. he's uh you know on a search while he's eating mashed potatoes yeah yeah I, I agree completely he's definitely that americanized version of it you know like we don't really have that big of a problem as compared to other places where you know they don't know when they're going to eat next or they could possibly be arrested for having a bible you right know? So. exactly yeah so i want to talk about some of the other kids um like i i i want to briefly talk about best friend daredevil epilepsy kid um what not- an arc this guy has <laughs> this kid does have an arc but did you see the epilepsy coming no not at all i didn't like once they so and i might be mixing up the order of events but they establish that bully kid is a human person with the, his own damn problems and he starts to sympathize with him um I didn't see a continuation of that. Like, you know, like he just establishes and maybe I should have, but they established in the movie how he looks up to his best friend because he seems fearless. Like he he's just jumping into things. Oh, you need me to distract the nuns? Well, I'll put a mop on my head and ride through in a mop bucket and just this crazy kid who's sort of fearless and. Um, not the king of all weirdos or lord of all weirdos, but fearless nonetheless. He looks up to that, right? Yeah, and, and sees that as a as a good thing. And then you know he finds him in his home having an epileptic fit. And um, I apologize if that's not the proper term, but a seizure of some kind. And uh, you know it just was like, whoa! I thought he was going to be dead. <laughs> well, something right or yeah, beaten I, by his parents or like something was going to be up more than an illness i thought that he was going to be cancer cancer victim number two like like as the movie progresses like yes they're just shitting on this kid the whole movie well he's got headaches right he's got he gets headaches when he's stressed out and so and then he starts like having increased absence from school right and the kid like shows up and he looks over his best friend's not there that day and that happens a few times before the kid finally is like okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna go visit him this afternoon and uh and then he he goes to find his friend who likes to play in the cupboard like harry potter the cupboard under the stairs he likes to play spaceship in there he He finds voluntarily do it though yeah he finds the kid in there having a seizure and then you know runs out and gets his mom and they get the kid to the hospital and the kid is going to recover he's broken his arm in the course of the seizure and busted his face all up but he's going to be okay and I thought the fact that best friend took the appearance of our main kid as a sign was interesting, right? Because the the kid himself was like, no, I was just coming to say hi. Like, I just wanted to see you because you hadn't been in school, you know, and so on. And then the best friend was like, no, no, this was something different. You came right when I needed you to be there. This yeah, wasn't... there were other days where you didn't come. Exactly, but you came, but today. You came yeah. that day when I needed you, and it made me think about the the concept of like signs and how for different people, different things can be taken as yeah. as a sign, right? And and you never know how your own actions are going to impact somebody else. And it, and in this way, I'm thinking of it in a good way, but also in a negative way, right? Uh, which is once leads me to think about the the heavy kid, who our kid is just a dick to. Like, yeah, he is just- he's like, hey, can we hang out? And he's like, tomorrow. And then the kid comes back. He goes, hey, it's tomorrow. He goes, no, today is today. Tomorrow is tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. And essentially, it's just this perpetual procrastination of 
play games with this kid or hang out or whatever. And this kid just wants to play. Like he's a nice kid. Like there's yeah. like he's an instantly likable kid, right? And just like, hey, you want to play ninjas? Yeah. And the kid's just like, fuck you. <laughs> you know, <tomorrow. laughs> <You're> pretty much. <laughs> like he's just like a total dick to this kid. And then finally, after the incredibly unbelievable incident at the museum where they get stuck in what the turnstile the? together. Oh my God. That was so bad because like, I'm like, go sideways just, dummies. Just yes! slip out. <laughs> go sideways. <laughs> just slip out the so side. Stupid. You idiots. Uh, then he decides, okay, I'm going to hang out with this kid. And then that act of kindness, I don't know. The other, it makes the other kid happy. Right. It, yeah. it doesn't really like the movie doesn't really hit that moment as hard as it could. It doesn't show like the repercussions of that. of that kid to understand because actually the turnstile thing is the first thing that kid does that's would piss me off where he's like, no, we'll go through together. No, bitch, back up. <laughs> like that was the only unreasonable thing. Cause the rest of the time he's like, Hey man, want to hang out? Want to play that time? He's like, nah, we're going through the turnstiles as a team. <laughs> what? Yeah. That would be the time we're like, back up. I'm not your friend. Like dummy. <laughs> You're being yeah. a dummy. Yeah. But I mean, like it, it, it was, I think we're supposed to take that, you know, he has grown and that his his perspective has changed and that he's going to start being more kind to this this kid um and then i'm not sure what else we're supposed to take from it it's in the movie for a reason there's time spent on it um and so i feel like maybe a little a couple pieces of that storyline might be missing you know yeah a little bit um but you know it's it's part of our main character's evolution um but it made me it made me think about like the subtleties of bullying sometimes right like like you don't have to beat somebody up to make them feel like shit yeah you know and he just perpetually was just making this kid feel like shit throughout the entire film yeah and yeah. i think and i'm a person who believes in boundaries and it's like if if someone's like hey let's do this and i don't want to do it no, thank you. I'm not doing that. Right. And it would have been one thing if he was like, hey, want to play? No, thanks. I'm playing with Jimmy or whoever, and I'm I'm not interested. And at least be direct. But it's the fact that he gives the kid t tomorrow hope. Right. That's what really makes it bad. Like if he just set a boundary with the kid to say, hey, I'm not interested in frankly being friends with you it'd be rude but it'd at least be hey cutting that off i i'm not interested in any more friendships at this time get on that would at least be better than maybe later right when exactly. you have no intention of hanging out with them yeah i don't know yeah it it, it made me feel like like part of part of the lesson of this movie is that God and like the grace of God is in other people. It's in the way we treat other people. It's in the way other people treat us, you know, and that, that felt like the true message of the movie, uh, which again, yeah. is then totally blindsided by angel kid coming in. Right. Fucking, fucking like, the whole I thing mean, up. famously the two greatest commandments are love God and love others. And I think that in this story, on his quest for God, he learns how to love others, and maybe in a way that's God for him, or you know that sort of thing. Less, like, less. Uh, yeah, he's not judgmental. He now sees people. He's wide awake. Um, oh God! And so I think that that's all good. I think this is um, a promising idea that maybe isn't executed the best as far as like a film and and a quest for faith movie agreed and while we're talking about god and grace and spirituality uh i think we need to talk about julia styles thighs um okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> i didn't know i get a text from you and you're like these thighs, I'm like, isn't she like 14? Julia Stiles has athletic thighs. That's, that's 
Yes. That's what I that's what I sent you the text message. Yeah. So I was just noticing there is a scene. <laughs> there is a scene where she is wearing her schoolgirl outfit, right? And her thighs are so like she's gotta be running track or playing soccer or lifting weights. She's got like weightlifter legs underneath that skirt and i didn't mean it in like a pervy way <laughs> although it's fun i didn't know how to reply it's fun. i just sat there i was like what the fuck do i do with this i kind of half meant it in a pur- for you to take it as i was meaning it in a pervy way just because it was like a funny thing to send you but i was just like oh my god look at her she's like it's like somebody took Hulk Hogan's leg and put it on the top of Julia Stiles' leg and then just gave her a normal calf underneath it. Like, I don't know. I'm exaggerating it a little bit, but I yeah. was just like, holy shit. Like, I didn't pick she, up on this on my viewing of the film. She is an um, athlete, Julia Stiles. Uh, there we go. Okay, that's about as far as I want to go into this. Because <laughs> that ruined my evening. I was like, who the hell am I podcasting with? God She's an adult now. She's an adult now. I wonder sure. if she still has athletic. Th- okay. We, we All right. Well, hit her up the, on. Uh, I'd rather move Twitter. on than s- I'd rather go to screen cap of that. You know, uh, she'll take that the right way, right? That'll be okay. Yeah. Let me know how that goes. Yeah. So what Looking the fuck was going on with the the Lord of the Weirdos and the Pope picture? What Who was, knows? What right? was that he- scene about? <sighs> And then someone wrote a book on it called Pope in the Rain. (laughs) He just freaks out, takes this picture of the Pope, and then hangs out on the jungle gym with it while it's pouring down. It made no sense in the context of the film. And then our kid, our main kid's like, I get him now. I understand this. Great. Please explain it to me. It's supposed to be some watershed moment. It really is, and it, I don't understand. It's like he's supposed to be getting like a message or something, you know, out of this. And I was like, "What is happening?" Like, <laughs> like there's still no explanation the the for the Lord of the Weirdos and why he is the way he is, which is like extreme weirdness, right? Uh, and, and then this, he does this crazy ass thing, and it's supposed to mean something to the audience. I'm like, what? Maybe we need to hit uh, M. Night up on Twitter and ask him, (laughs) why did the Lord of the Weirdos take the post? I'm going to do it. I'm going to send him a message. (laughs) Slide into his DMs and ask him about the Lord of all Weirdos. Be sure to subscribe to find out if we get a reply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I'm not holding my breath. But, you know, you might be like, holy shit, someone watched Wide Awake. (laughs) And then you could be like, yeah, and we watched Praying with Anger. All right. So you were uh, you were a church boy. You. We're raised mm-hmm. in the church. Grew up in the church. Yep. Not yep. Catholic, though, so very different experience. Yeah. I was uh, I was baptized Catholic. My grandmother was Catholic, so I went to church with her sometimes, so I have some of that Catholicism weirdness. Um, and then like uh, when my family started going to church proper, uh, we went to a Lutheran church, which is mm-hmm. not the same, much less incense and uh, tradition. Yes. The scene where the kid sings like they're singing and the kid's not singing and he's kind of staring off into the distance and the priest is like let's all sing together for you know maybe if we all sing god will hear us and and you know the message will reach god and so the kid starts like really singing like he is super into it and so on for did you ever sing like that when you were in church? Did nope. you ever like really get into it like Bro, that? Like you were feeling I, it? I hated going to church. <laughs> so dumb. I never, I don't know what it was. If it's the, the way my mom was just very calm. And one of the reasons I still believe in God and practice faith today is because my mom has always been so stable and not, um, crazy, I guess is the word I want to use. She was not the Lord of the Weirdos. She very much like in this film allowed us to kind of, you know, learn on our own. And she was, we were going to church though. And I just, I, ooh, it was so boring, so boring. So no, I never, like, I don't remember doing anything beyond Sunday school. 
And it wasn't until my adult life where I really started like committing. So no, I don't remember that. I do. I have like nowadays where churches, they have like full bands and, you know, I've sung like that on my own, but not as part of a team, you know. Gotcha. Gotcha. So do, do you attend church now? Um, kind of interestingly, uh, we've had some weird stuff go down and church people are still people. And, uh, but I have, uh, up until the pandemic. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I, I stopped, I stopped, uh, in my late teens. Um, my, my parents got a divorce and I have talked about it on the show before and some of the crazy repercussions that it had on my life. But what one of those repercussions was that the people at church started treating us like shit. Like like we had like a, a real and palpable reaction from yeah. the other people at church who like rejected my family. Like they just started like being uncool to us. And uh, it was... A shocking experience, honestly. And I remember one time, probably my junior or senior year in high school, around Lent, they would do uh, like a Wednesday evening service every Wednesday. And then they'd, they'd have like soup and sandwich like, right. gathering before that, right? And I always loved it. I always loved the soup and was sandwich. It was Catholic worth, or Lutheran? This was Lutheran. And it was, okay. worth, it was worth sitting through the half-hour church service to go get the soup and sandwich, right? Yes, so I was. hadn't been to the church in like a year and a half. And at this point I was living on my own. My family had all split off and I was by myself and I just decided one afternoon I'm going to go over to the church. I'm going to go get the soup and sandwich. And I went in and fucking nobody talked to me. Nobody in this church that I was raised in. This one older guy, his name was Harold Baldwin, uh, was kind enough to invite me over and I sat with him and chit chatted with him. But all the other people, the Sunday school teacher, all the kids that I grew yeah. up with, you know, so on and so forth. And so that was it for me for church. Like that was yeah. it. That was that was and like the, the defining moment that I was just like, Nope. This yep. is this is not my thing. I you know, and I'm sure that there are churches out there that are not there are, like so that. I'll give you the inverse. There are a billion stories like yours. And um there's a, a guy named Brandon Manning who says like the greatest source uh the greatest reason for atheism in america today is christians and the way they act and treat each other and other people because uh, they're not acting very christ-like is something i agree with um more so now than ever but that being said my mom went to a um it's why can't i think of the name of it it's basically one step away from being amish i can't think of the name of the the denomination she went to this church and before her second marriage, she got pregnant, right? You know, and if you attend the church at all, you know, that's a big no-no, right? You're not supposed to get pregnant out of wedlock. Well, um, this got into the church and they heard about it and the pastor apparently was like, you know, said something along the lines of Pat and he was, uh, she always remembers this because he was um, Canadian, you know, because Pat, my wife, my mom's name is Pat. Pat made a mistake and she's sorry. And he just was like super gracious and super kind and just kind of like told the body, you know, because generally speaking, your congregation is going to follow what the leader says and just was like, it was a mistake. And she's okay. She's, she's sorry. And I think because my mom was treated with grace in that way, it trickled down to me. And that's why I still go to church or even have interest in it. And I think it's because I never had a, a moment like that. Well, I have, but I think my foundation was generally positive. So, but I have had ones that have, if it weren't for my mom, I probably would have turned me off forever where like we got a thing. It's like free pizza at the Baptist church. I'm like, heck pizza much like you so we get there and we're grinding on pizza and then they like have people at the doors to keep us from leaving oh and they usher us into the sanctuary <laughs> where they preach Boo. us and me and my brother we were like and i think it, again i think it's because my mom we're like this isn't right like we knew 
and we were we weren't blasphemous kids or or like there is no god or anything we, but we knew what was happening was not okay it was trickery <laughs> you tricked us with pizza and then you flipped <laughs> the script on us and so we got kind of rambunctious and rude and got kicked out we got out of there we got our free pizza but i've had several moments like that and i'm like that's not grace in any way and what you experienced is not grace that's not what he teaches and it pisses me off you know and um i, I yeah 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 because <laughs> there's a lot of people who deal with that and it's and i was reading um no i was watching a sermon um by a guy who's talking of the he pastors a church that's very inclusive of lgbtq people and he did a sermon on how we got to that and um you know used verses in the bible to kind of back up his points and one of the most convincing ways i've ever seen because sometimes i see it and it feels like you're you're jumping through some hoops you know Mm -hmm. to make Mm -hmm. that work for you um which again let me state on the record everybody should be allowed at church and to be able to participate but he um he just sort of illustrates like the big thing is like gay people or trans people or anyone else like people children of divorce or whoever come to the church to learn about god and no one's going to teach them they're not willing to and that is a bigger sin than uh, anything that those folks who have come into your congregation have done in my opinion yeah yeah i mean but my, my point was is that and i never got this far because we kind of varied off but I did sing like that. I was like, oh, I yeah. was, I was into it, dude. Like, like for a time when I was maybe like ten years old till I was like fourteen or fifteen, I was like really into it. And and like I considered growing up to become a pastor and like you know, uh, was really feeling it up to a certain point. So when I saw that kid singing like that, I kind of like saw myself in that moment, yeah. you know, like just that kind of like happy and like gesturing around and so on and so forth. And, uh, yeah, it is interesting. I, th- I think throughout the course of this podcast, we're probably going to have a lot of these conversations about spirituality and religion. And I'm I think- here for it. I love it. I've been on my own journey, much like this kid, you know, starting off being very much, this is what I've thought. This is what I believe. And then through living life and meeting people and much like this kid does, you know, like at one point I held a more negative view on homosexuality until I was hanging out with people who are gay. And I was like, oh, and it changed my your people, too. And your people and, and my commandment is to love you. And that's good enough. Like and I just kind of so I'm always here for the spiritual talks because I hopefully make people feel welcome and I'm not going to be offended by anything anyone says if they have a different opinion. Um, but I always enjoy the conversation. So, yeah, I do too. And I don't want, I don't want any listeners to think this is going to be Bible talk, you know, <laughs> no, talking not about M night movies, I, but it, like just to the nature no. of these movies, they yeah. kind of demand some of these conversations and, uh, you know, like we've already done a lot of the questions that I had, but the last one that I have on my list is, have you ever looked for a sign from God? Like, have you ever been in that position where you actually were seeking some so, sort of sign? Yes. Um, but in a different way. So um, I grew up in Baptist sort of Protestant nature. So signs and wonders weren't really a thing, right? And then if you've seen any televangelists, there's this other far side that's like people speaking in tongues and different things happening. There are signs every Sunday. (laughs) Yeah. And um, fortunately for me, I found a church that landed in a nice, comfortable middle because I've always felt like, well, if God's real, he can do stuff, right? Yeah, he's God. He could he could do stuff. Miracles could happen. I mean, if we really believe this. And so I found a church that was like, hey, you know, if you pray for people, maybe they'll get healed. They might not. And that's OK. Right. And and it wasn't ever a. Um, 
like if you're not if you're praying and you're not getting healed and you're doing something wrong like i've heard that before so anyway i'm like oh i want to learn to i want to speak in tongues so i sit there in my room at night i'm like okay all right lord here we go and i just sat there with my mouth open and i'm like okay any moment now <laughs> any moment now and it just nothing happened right and so i mean but i've also been in a place where i've seen what i would consider signs but i never asked for those ones you know i've had people pray for me and then pull things that are like whoa that's actually how did you know know about that and you know and people can explain it away or whatever it happened to me and it's something i cherish so yeah sometimes i wonder if there aren't signs more frequently and my brain filters them out because I can't handle it. Like I, I, I had this dream probably about 15 years ago and I didn't, I hate it when people talk about dreams. So I'm going to keep this brief. Cause as soon as somebody <laughs> said I had this dream, I'm like, Oh fuck you. Shut Stay up. Tuned. Here we don't, go. Don't care. Okay. But essentially the bottom line is I'm driving down the road. The road is up in front of me. The sky opens up. And God comes through this terror in the sky. Yeah. And and it was this sudden moment of it's all real. Here it is. Judgment has come. It's blinding. And it was terrifying. It was one of the scariest dreams I've ever had in my life to the point where here 15 yeah. minutes later, I'm talking about it and I get chills. I was terrified. Like you hear about people in the Bible being like, and, and the angel appeared and they hid their face because they couldn't handle it. And they hid behind a rock. Like you see right. the paintings of the people like cowering behind the rock because they can't handle the angel. That's what it was. It was like, just like awe in the real sense of awe, like like jaw dropping mind melting brain shattering like oh fuck please no you know mm -hmm. like like it's just too much and so that that idea of god being on that level i have like a I would say a healthy fear of the idea that it's all real, you know, like, like if I were, if I were that kid and that's why I was making that point earlier about him receiving that knowledge, like how would that impact your life? That, yeah. that indisputable knowledge that it's all real. I don't know if I could hold myself together in the face of that, I prefer the idea of exploring and finding faith and finding, uh, you know, joy through interactions with other people and so on and so forth. Like, but I think I would find proof to be completely earth shattering, you know, <laughs> like I think you would yeah. find me in the loony bin with the crayons. Like, I just don't know if I could handle it, you know? And, and, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's just something interesting, interesting. to think about, like, like people seeking signs from God, whereas I'm kind of like, man, that could have just been one yesterday. I'm not going to think about that shit. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I hear you on that. All right. Well, on uh, that note, uh, should we should we wrap on Wide Awake? Yeah. I I mean, it's fine. I'm glad we watched it. Me too. It made for some interesting conversation. So, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm glad we watched it too. And the the next main line is Sixth Sense. Yeah, uh, obviously a big breakthrough moment. There's going to be a I lot mean, to talk about there. This is his Jurassic Park, right? Yeah, for sure. But man. we got to take a detour. And I don't know what this detour is, so yeah. lay it on me. I had so, a guess, and I was guessing wrong. So. Yeah, he he thought he spoiled it for himself, and I was mad because I was like, uh, what? No. Don't spoil things. I told you specifically not to so we could get to this moment and I could surprise you. Uh, so M. Night Shyamalan secretly punched up a script. Um, and this is a great place for you to, to do your wonderful research you always do. Uh, so we're going to watch. I'm going to see if you can guess this. <laughs> you going to give me hints? Like there's a lot of movies oh, yeah. for me to guess. I can just start guessing shit. The Poseidon start... Adventure. Like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, damn. First try. <laughs> No, okay. Uh, so, of course, our movie came out in 99. Yes. Uh, and it's directed by Robert East Cove, whoever the hell that is. Don't know that guy. Stars Freddie Prince Jr. 
Scooby-Doo? No, can't be Scooby-Doo. Paul Walker. What? Paul Walker. And Paquin. What? Kieran Culkin. What? Rachel Lee Cook. She's all that? Is it she's all that? We're going to watch She's All That in 1999. (laughs) He apparently was brought in to punch up the script, and uh, I don't know much beyond that, but it was enough for me to be like, fuck yeah, we're watching She's All That. Oh, that's great. You know, is there a new one? Did they remake it? They made a He's All That. He's All That. And I threw up in my mouth when I saw it. Um, Yeah. I was like 10 minutes in, and they brought the kid in from Cobra Kai. I was like, this looks awful and it's uh, the same problems that are even with this one where it's like the person is clearly like, attractive eventually attractive <laughs> you know and, oh the, well you, i i remember i i have not seen this movie since it probably first came out on vhs and i probably sat down and watched it with buddies just because uh, i watched uh, every movie that came out at that time yeah. so I, re- I remember vaguely liking it i think i kind of liked it I she comes a- down the stairs and that song comes on and he's no, down she's got a pants on her- i don't know the song <laughs> it's a six got- on the richer song i don't remember she's what got it her is. pants on <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna watch this. I I'm looking for it was something I've been looking forward to a while, um, because uh, I like a good teen movie, and we can also maybe talk about the the parody scenes from not another teen movie where they're selecting the uh, girl that he's gonna date. I I I haven't seen not another teen movie. At least like, not not enough to remember it. But I do I do like she's all that. I like Rachel Lee Cook, and I can get my wife to watch this one with me. So yeah, yeah I, I can bring her back into the fold because I I let her off the hook on these last two. So I don't blame you. You don't want her to be like, that's it. I'm leaving. Yeah, she actually tried wide awake, and then like I looked over twenty minutes in, she was staring at her phone, and <clears throat> she was like, yeah, I'm out of here. I would come. Yeah, do I don't shit. blame her. Yeah. Well. Same. Uh, So we'll be back with our first bonus of the season. We'll see you that next week. And then after that, we'll get into that Sixth Sense movie that everyone keeps talking about. Ah, fantastic. All right, y'all. See you next week. Um, Socials are in the description. I'm not going to read them. Bye.